What's Cooking, supported by Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki. Become a member today for great art benefits. Man, what a pleasure to be able to chat to you. Super stoked. Henry Rollins heading down to Aotearoa in July to play a bunch of, or perform. I mean, do I say perform? Or how, Henry, how should I describe your, um, your gig? Oh, I'll get up there and, and talk at a high rate of speed for a couple of hours. Yes. <laughs> so in a way, in a way, it's a performance. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, that that's what I do, and that's hopefully what I'll be doing. Excellent. Now the the show at the Vic Devonport has sold out, which is great news. But people can still get tickets for Thursday, the sixth of July, at Sky City Theatre from Plus One, which is which is bloody great news. You're actually about to embark on quite, you know, I had a look at the dates. It's quite a huge tour of both Australia and New Zealand. Um, do you get yeah. much? Do you get much time off either side? Uh, well, usually I ask for a show a night, and I'm about 58 shows into the year right now. I just got back from a bunch of shows in Europe. I've been in about 30 countries this year, um, I think, or 20, something like that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I just got back from uh, Europe, and I'll be Australia, New Zealand, June and July, and then uh, back to USA, September, October, November, and then the tour finally keels over on November 20th. But the tour started in March of last year. Wow. And last year was uh, 114 shows in the U.S. and Canada. And this year has been Europe and Australia, New Zealand, and then USA a little bit more. Now, does the material of the show evolve over the course of, you know, the tour? Oh, yeah. And uh, material goes away. Uh, more material comes in and I start rotating things. Mm -hmm. So I, so it keeps me sharp. Yes. And, and also the USA version is different than the non USA version. And obviously it's not that I'm dumbing down the material because mm -hmm. uh, no, none of my audiences are stupid and I'm no professor, but the U S show would be far more localized in that, uh, I'll mention some politicians maybe or something that happened in the United States where to mention it in front of you, you're like, yeah, we watch the news, who cares? Mm -hmm. And so luckily I have the kind of material that translates or gets across to people anywhere. And I've been touring internationally since 1986, mm -hmm. you know, on stage alone. Uh, and so I kind of go into a non-USA you know, way of rendering information where I don't even know it. I've just been at it for so long. Mm -hmm. And and it's not like I, I take baby steps. It's just, you just, there's stories that anyone can get anywhere. And then there's stories that work better with a crowd in Florida than they would in a, like with a crowd in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. Nice one. Now, Henry, I've got a bunch of open-ended questions. Um, just feel free to answer them however you like. Sure. Um, just starting from scratch. How do you define what you do and how did you come to do it? Uh, well, as far as like these talking shows, uh, in 1983 at the behest of a local promoter in Los Angeles, he was putting people on stage like five or seven minutes each and he'd get like five poets, two actors, three comedians and like 10 people from different bands. And these shows were really fun. And you know, it, if the guy goes up there and bombs, like everyone claps, it's a very friendly environment and I would go because uh, Black Flag's bass player, Chuck Dukowski, would get up there and spiel for like tw seven minutes. And I would just go with him, you know, get in the van and go into the city. And the promoter one night said, why don't you do the, a, a seven minutes next week? 
And I went, I, I don't know. He went, no, you got a big mouth. You're perfect for this. <laughs> and like, well, he's, he's kind of right. And so um, I, and we're paying 10 bucks. And that was the incentive. Like that means food because we were really broke in those days. And so I did seven minutes. I just told a story about what had happened at band practice the day before where some guy tried to run over our guitar player. And people were like, tell another one. Like, well, my time is up. And the promoter guy said, Henry, you're a natural. Like, you weren't even trying. I'm like, I don't know. I was just telling him a story. He said, you can do that. Mm. And so let's let's put you on some more shows. And so he had me opening for his poets. He had all these poets he worked with. And then the poets are now opening for me. And they didn't like that all that much. Um, and then I started doing shows like Black Flag would finish a tour. And then I would go across America to pre pretty much the same places on my own. Mm. And then by 86, Europe. By 89, Australia. Uh, by the early 90s, New Zealand. And then South Africa, Israel, Russia, uh, Ukraine, like all these different places. Uh, and then USO tours, Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, and so uh, these tours now, it's about a 200-show tour. Uh, and this year is like Estonia, Slovakia, Slovenia, Poland, France, um, uh, all four Scandinavian countries, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Wales, England, Germany, Austria, Holland, Belgium, Luxembourg, uh, on and on. And, and so it takes up a, you know, a, a 200 shows worth and a couple of years to get it all done. Mm. And so, um, you know, from a mere acorn, a, a tall tree grows. I got into it just because I like being on stage and telling stories. Um, I've never trained for it, except for maybe just being alive. But it always felt more naturally, no, more natural rather, uh, speaking to an audience rather than being with a band. I like, you know, making a lot of noise with a band, but being on stage by myself, that's the one thing that feels like that this is what I should be doing.
Now, just on the musical tip, I've got sort of a double-pronged musical question. Are you able to, to describe your first musical memory and also your best musical memory to date? Uh, the first would probably be just be listening to records alone in my room and understanding how comforting they were. Because, you know, I had disinterested parents and, you know, they would drink sometimes. You know, not the best home life. And so I adopted the Beatles as my four alt dads. Mm. And I was, you know, pretty nervy kid on anti-hyperactive drugs. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a nut. I, but I, I noticed when I put the records on, everything gets better. Mm. And so even I recognize the records are, music is medicine. And so I would listen to my little records. My mom would get me like a Beatles record, but I also dug her records like uh, Wagner and, and Beethoven and Miles Davis. I, I, I kind of liked all of those. And she'd give me those records. I like, I like that record, just take it. And she'd go buy another one. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was the first musical experience was like digging music and understanding that it makes life better. And the best musical experience I don't know. I mean, I've been lucky. I've seen a lot of good gigs. Mm. Seeing The Clash the first time was great. Led Zeppelin was awesome. The wow. birthday party was memorable. The first time I saw Black Flag was really cool. Uh, I've, the times I've seen Iggy Pop, uh, amazing. Bowie, first time I saw Van Halen, that was really cool. They're like 19 years old. Yes. Uh, opening for Ted Nugent. Wow. Uh, yeah, we, we all used to go see Ted Nugent. It was before he was talking between songs. Um, <laughs> Uh, seeing being like one of 75 people in the room seeing the cramps wow are you kidding like where lux falls on you um you know standing up close enough to you know touch the shoes of the ramones uh, those are the gigs that yeah. you know wow. I, i've never recovered from yes and you know punk rock allowed you to walk up to the front of the stage mm -hmm. you know i don't know how many times i got to see the bad brains yes. or like the first time i saw the damned with the bad brains opening that was a night and so I've had a lot of those nights where you walk away going, it doesn't get better than that. Yes. And so um, I'd be loath to try and pick one. Of course. Uh, because, you know, they were, they were all really good shows. And um, other musical experience, like being in a band, you know, that was pretty cool. Yes. Wasn't always easy, mm -hmm. but it was always worthwhile. Yeah, nice. Now, I guess uh, in a similar vein, can you share any particular moments or encounters that have profoundly influenced your worldview or challenged your beliefs? Uh, as far as informing my worldview is uh, growing up with Ian Mackay, the guy from Fugazi. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been best friends since we were 12, and we're still best friends to this day. And, you know, Ian is a much better person than I'll ever be. Like, he's a, he's a good man. I'm, I'm kind of, you know... I'm, I'm trying to get there. Mm -hmm. And so Ian has been a profound influence on me as far as like being patient and trying to be a better person. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, uh, so like, so he's someone who definitely had an effect on me. My parents were very influential on me in that I don't want to emulate their behavior. Mm -hmm. And so 
their influence was basically in the in in the inverse. Like, don't do that, that, that. Do everything they're doing, don't do those things. Mm-hmm. Like, don't drink. Don't be a racist. Don't be a homophobe, Dad. Um, and, you know, they were both hardworking, so that's good. But um, some of their abuses to themselves and others, me, uh, I, I, you know, that's don't carry that forward. And so those were influential. What was the second half of the, of the uh, question? Uh, I think we're, we're, you know, you kind of nutted it out then. Like encounters that have profoundly influenced your worldview or challenged your beliefs. Oh, challenge my beliefs? Hmm. Um, I was never a racist or anything like that, so it's not like I'm an ex-neo-Nazi. Mm-hmm. Through travel, I've been to about 90 countries. And one thing that I learned when I was in Haiti, and I, I tried to donate soccer balls and soap to a village because mm-hmm. someone told me the kids can use soccer balls and the adults can use soap to do yes. the washing. Yeah. Um, I realized how hard it is to help yes. and what a disconnect there is between non-Western cultures and Western cultures and mm-hmm. why so many NGOs and agencies that attempt to help get it wrong, mm. even though they're trying to get it right. Yes. And so it didn't alter my worldview like in that, like, screw these people. It yes. made me see how bloody complex humans are. Yes. And even if you want to help them, you can risk killing them. Mm-hmm. Like, you put nitrogen into a field in an African village and they get, like, six great crops. That's good. But what do they do with six great crops? They breed. Mm. And then when the soil goes fallow, suddenly... There's no more food and and 30% more people. Mm. You've got a problem. Yes. And so, but what did the NGO try to do? Help. And what do they do? They cause famine. Mm. And so traveling and seeing this kind of gnawing human hunger up close definitely changed my, hey, I want to help. It's harder than I ever imagined. And so that was, that's been a big a big influencer on me and I approach all that stuff very carefully. I want to help, but I realize you really should leave it to the pros and just contribute money. Mm, Nice. Now as an advocate for social justice, what do you believe is the role of artists and musicians in promoting positive change in society? I think it is an elective in that I don't think you necessarily have to, if you're a a person with a guitar, it is not incumbent upon you to slay the beast of homophobia. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just want to write songs about cars and girls, go ahead. Um, I don't think, like, if you don't have any, like, hey, people stand up material in your repertoire, that someone gets to call you out on that. Like, yes. hey, man, how come you didn't talk about LGBTQ issues between songs tonight? Mm-hmm. That's that's out of line. Mm-hmm. That, that, that artist gets to do their thing. Yes. And so the responsibility, it is as the artist sees it. Mm -hmm. I come from punk rock, from the Washington DC punk rock scene. I think all of that stuff is really important for, if you have an audience that's listening, if you're going to be slinging the intellectual hash, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, put some good nutrition in it. Mm. I mean, they're gonna gonna listen no matter what you say. Yes. So say good things and uh, inspire and inform. But that's just me. I would never tell you what to do, but that's what I feel I must do. But the role of an artist, do their thing. That's what they should do.
where do you feel artistic progression leads? Well, for some, obscurity, poverty, and bitterness. Mm -hmm. And uh, for others, <laughs> uh, fame, uh, fame, fortune, and often the deterioration of their artwork. Yes, yes. And th that's an interesting, you know, line to, to walk on. Yeah, you know? man, it's crazy. Well, I guess it kind of leads into the next question. How, do, how would you define success? It's tricky. I mean, if you ask a Wall Street guy, it's uh, making a bunch of money. Mm. Uh, for me, it's uh, writing the book I wanted to write and not worrying about how many people are going to read it. Yes. Uh, saying the things I want to say and have them be factually accurate. Like if I'm going to say something, I got to get the year right. If I have an opinion, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to uh, quote Lincoln to an American audience, which I've done many times, you got to get the words right. Mm -hmm. And so um, accuracy uh, is success for me. And doing what I promised myself I would do. I have been successful, like in my father's definition, his would be uh, financial. Mm -hmm. Success on that level, I've been very successful. I've made a lot of money. But I would like to say that I have survived wealth. Yes. In that, uh, I, 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 you know, I made some money. Um, I, I, it didn't get to me. Yes. I'm, I'm still, I, I still dress in the same cheap clothes. I drive a Mazda 6. And the lifestyle I could be living, believe it or not, holds zero interest for me whatsoever. Yes. And so I'm just a work guy. I, I'm, I work every day. And that's all that's interested me since I was about 16. And so uh, I could afford to live differently, but I live exactly as I want. I live in a small and unremarkable house which is all the house I need because I mainly spend most of my time in the office. Mm -hmm. And I got a gym two traffic lights away from me that's open 24-7, and I was in there till about 1.30 this morning. And so um, I have been successful, uh, but you just can't measure it the, the way you might measure Mick Jagger's version mm -hmm. of success. Mm -hmm. How does one maintain a sense of authenticity in, in, I guess, an industry which would sometimes prioritize commercial success over artistic integrity? Well, I've never had the misfortune of being all that artistic, all that co uh, commercially successful. Yes. And so having been at this for so many years, all the people who like to make money off other people's talent have looked me over mm -hmm. and decided I'm a stiff and they've moved on. <laughs> and so uh, like Mark E. Smith of The Fall, I have for the most part been left to my own devices. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have all my own companies. I, I'm not going to submit a manuscript to see if some publishing company is going to want my damn book. Mm -hmm. I just write the thing myself and publish it myself. I'm yes. not waiting around. I don't have time. And also, you know, who needs a rejection slip? Life's tough enough. And so I just kind of, I, I live alone. I work alone. I don't need a hug. I don't go to clubs and dance. Mm -hmm. I don't hang out with people. I work. And I think my work benefits from time spent alone. And it's not like I intentionally deprive myself. I do not want to go to the rap party. I'll be in the movie. I just don't want to go to the party. Mm -hmm. I'm happy you're getting married. Please don't invite me. Um, I, I, let me just send a gift and like, you know, I, I just don't want to know. Yes. And so um, that's how I've maintained my worth mm -hmm. is for me, it's only about the work. That's it. The yes. rest is just vanity mm -hmm. uh, and what you think you're owed. You know, I, I think I'm owed nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I get to go back to my desk and work because I bought the desk and I bought the office it's in. Mm -hmm. But what, what am I deserved? I don't know, a punch in the mouth and a good morning. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I keep it on that kind of austere 
utilitarian level mm -hmm. and I'm only as good as my last project. And I like finishing a book because I can clear the deck and start on something new. Yes. And so I'm, I'm like a shipbuilder. I like building the ships. I get the hell out of my way so I can build the next one. Uh, I don't stand around going like, wasn't that a good looking ship? I'm yeah. like, get it out of here. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. get the new one going. And that's the thrill is like doing the next thing. Yes. And so I, I live for the next thing. And that's kind of, you know, I tour with hardly any days off. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not thinking I'm anything special. I just want to get it across. And that, that keeps me kind of even keeled, I'd like to think. Are you going to plan some record shopping around your run of shows through Aussie and New Zealand? Are you kidding? Every day I can. <laughs> My road manager, luckily, and we've been working together for like, I don't know, 14, 16 years. He's also a record guy like mm. I am. And he's the smart one. So I usually spend most of the afternoon in the gym. And so he hits the record stores. And he'll either text me and say, here's this record. It's on the wall. And you should get this one because, like, you know, you need this one. I'll go mm -hmm. do it. Or he'll say, okay, you're back from the gym. There's a place 10 minutes away that you really got to see. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, still dripping from the gym. I just walk I just walk right over there and get to work. And so I'm always looking to get a record. If I had my way, I'd buy a record every day. Have you made any good finds in, in like recent months? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I found a whole bunch of really great underground music in Finland. I, I, I walked out of there with like about a foot of vinyl yes wow out of, out of finland i had to buy two extra suitcases uh <laughs> well my my road manager did to to hump it all back to the u.s got some great hendrix bootlegs in sweden yes. that i had on cd but i'd never seen them on vinyl oh, wow. some old, old uh, swinging pig uh that that's our bootleg company yes I found the vinyl of, of things i've had for like 30 some years on cd and the guy gave me a nice price yeah and i i found uh some really amazing very collectible records uh on different auction sites like omega and mm -hmm. uh, ebay yes uh but as far as the stores just cool local music and uh in finland uh the record store people know i'm a big nut for finnish music and uh, a, a few actually own labels and so they said here's like 10 records from my label and i was like hey thanks i'll, I'll it might take a while but I'll, I'll get them played excellent hey henry i reckon i've probably got time for one more question um, sure. What advice would you give to aspiring musicians or artists who want to make a difference through their work? I would beg them to love their music and what they're doing more than they've ever loved anything and get ready to lose all their friends <laughs> and uh, to want it more than they've ever wanted anything. And no, no matter how hard you, you work at it, you can work harder and you should. And the more you put into it, the better it's going to get. And get ready for a lot of setbacks and a lot of disappointment and get ready for uh, bridges to light on fire, even though you didn't mean to torch them. And uh, you can never relent. And um, if, it, if it wounds you and alienates some people from you, um, it did for Miles Davis and it did for Bob Dylan. And maybe that will be the only similarities you'll have with those two artists, but it's better than no similarities at all. Mm. It just, uh, I think to put across something really good, you gotta reach in deep and reach harder than you think. And that's what Black Flag taught me. I, I thought I was pushing really hard in that band. And then I just would look on side to side at Greg Ginn and Chuck Dukowski and realize I was a lightweight mm. and I had to do more. And so that was very informative. And that's how I've treated music for the entire time I made it, it was like, this is gonna be the heaviest lift ever. So let's go. So good. Henry, amazing. <laughs> Looking, <laughs> really looking forward to um, seeing you down here. Um, all the best for Australia and New Zealand and hope you score a few good records on your way through.
Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see you soon. Wonderful listener, my name is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to 95 BFM Drive with Johnny and Corey. Touch yourself, touch your friends, but partner, don't touch that dial. What's Cooking? Supported by Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki. Become a member today for great art benefits.